Welcome to the Mojas Druitt Family Team podcast series. I'm Victoria Cobham. And I'm Elizabeth Dowler. And in this podcast series, we're going to be explaining a little bit more about some key family law topics to give people more of an understanding about their money and their life. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about children matters and what happens in terms of children arrangements when people divorce or separate. If parents can't agree matters, then what do they do in terms of the court process? Now, I do want to start out by saying that when it comes to children, you know, court you know, it is there for a reason. So, you know, if we need to go to court, then we will. But actually, it really should be the last resort, because by the time you're talking about and thinking about court proceedings, there is likely to already be quite a lot of parental conflict. Um, and research has shown that over and above, you know, everything in terms of separation, it's the parental conflict that has the most negative impact on the children actually separation itself you know kids are really good at adapting generally and it you know it's not necessarily the having to to move to a different house obviously it is unsettling but it's it's the parental conflict that is most likely to be damaging so we would always encourage people to resolve things outside of court and we've obviously done a podcast on all the different ways that you can resolve things we were talking about I think finances in in relation to that but actually all of those methods of trying to resolve uh, the finances still apply for for, for children as well so mediation etc um, we would also just refer people to uh, a, a really helpful guide from Resolution. Uh, Resolution is an organisation of family practitioners that aim to resolve uh, issues arising from a, a separation or divorce in uh, an amicable way with putting the children first. So if you go to uh, resolution.org.uk, there's loads of information there and a, a leaflet called Parenting Through Separation. It's a guide and it's really helpful. Um, it gives top tips of uh, having conversations with your with your other half in terms of how you're going to co-parent moving forwards. It gives um, examples of behaviours that can be uh, exhibited by children when when going through a separation or divorce or their parents are going through a separation or divorce um, and how you can you can help children and it, and it's really good because it almost breaks it breaks it down into age specific categories so you know what a baby might be exhibiting in terms of behavior and how to deal with that is very different to to if a, if, if a teenager you know has parents who, who are going through separations um and it, and it and it talks about issues that you might come across through your separation and ways that you can resolve that. So I think that's just a really good starting point for anyone who's either thinking of a separation or at the early stages, you know, in terms of of some information and and top tips of just thinking about how do we, where do we go from here? How do we tell the children? So I think we need to recognise before making a court application is when you're going through court, you will have a stranger essentially making a decision for you, whether that be a judge or a bench of magistrates. Parents know their children best and they know what will suit their children. So the more power and control you can retain yourselves by making those discussions, I think the better. 
because ultimately court has its place and sometimes it is necessary but most people know what's best for their children and they just need to work through that parental conflict to to get to that stage and i think that's just something really important to bear in mind before thinking about court obviously it's it's not always possible and we will have those clients where for various reasons you know it might be that there's significant domestic violence for example or it just could be that that, that they just cannot agree on one particular issue um, but there are going to be instances where you know you, you are going to need to make a court application in relation to the children and that's what Elizabeth and I want to cover today is sort of how that works um, so if you're in that situation Elizabeth sort of how does someone sort of get that application started how does that process work so parents and people who have parental responsibility for children are entitled to make an application to court straight away Sometimes, if you aren't in either of those categories, you may first need to get the court's permission before you can even start the court process. A number of years ago, the court put in place a requirement to attend a MIAM. So a MIAM is a Mediation Information Assessment Meeting. And essentially what that does is both parties are required, or one party is required at least, to sit down with a mediator to say, could we sort this out via mediation? If the mediator says, no, I don't think you can, you are then able to take a certificate away and make an application to court. Sometimes a mediator will say, you know what, I think we've got a really good chance of having a go at mediation. And that would then be the first process to to try before you go to court. If whatever reason that's not possible, then at that stage you can apply to court for a child arrangements order on a form called a C100 application. The form takes you through and asks you to explain what kind of orders you're looking for. So those could be things such as where the children are going to live and who they're going to spend time with. It could also be a whole range of other factors such as where should they attend school? Can I go on holiday to this particular location? Can I move to a new place in the country or overseas? Or, alternatively, it could be I make an application to stop someone from doing something. So I make an application to stop my ex-spouse or ex-partner from changing my child's school or trying to move abroad. So there's a real broad mix of what you can apply for. And essentially, the, the court will issue that application, will send it to the other party, and will then involve a body known as CAFCAS. So, Vicky, do you want to explain a little bit about CAFCAS? CAFCAS are the court-appointed social workers and they will always be sent, whenever someone makes an application to court, they will always be sent that application and, in effect, joined in uh, to that application. And the reason is that the court wants some independent body, person, to basically say, look, are there any safeguarding concerns here that we need to be be wary of. CAFCAS are there to uh, do some background checks firstly, so they'll do some police checks, uh, check whether the family's known to social services for example, so the court have a really good idea and understanding of, 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 of how they can help this family moving forwards. They'll also, before the first hearing, they'll also speak with both parents or both parties um, and understand whether there are any particular concerns, um, and also understand what each party is looking for. And after doing those background checks and speaking with the parties, CAFCAS will prepare a letter 
to the court that will be provided to the parties as well that will set this information out. So are there any concerns? Are there any background checks that are flagged up? What are both parties saying? And then they will make some recommendations to the court. Now, those recommendations may be there aren't any concerns. All the checks have come back clear. Both parties accept that the, the, the children can be cared for. They, their parenting styles might be different, but they're, they're safe in the other parents' care, but they just can't quite agree this one issue. And usually in that sort of scenario, CAFCAS will kind of step out of the picture and say, look, we don't need to do any more work with this family because fundamentally the children are safe. It's just they can't agree on this particular issue. And that's now for the court to decide. Alternatively, CAFCAS may say, we have got some concerns and this is what we recommend. Now, we could spend a long time talking about all the different things that CAFCAS could do, um, but just to throw some out there, for example, if there are alcohol concerns, there could be alcohol or drug testing as a recommendation to, to ascertain whether there is an issue or not. If there's domestic violence, then CAFCAS may well say, look, we need those issues to be looked at first to see whether there are issues there before we can move forward and decide the children matters. They may say, so for example, if we're talking about children who are a little bit older, CAFCAS may say, oh, well, the, the dispute between the parents is that one saying the child wants to do this, the other saying the child actually wants to do that. And CAFCAS will say, well, should we go and speak to the child? Shall we prepare what is called a wishes and feelings report so that we can try and ascertain with our tools and being neutral what those wishes and feelings are to help the court? I think just as you kind of touched on then, sometimes in children matters there are really serious urgent concerns and those could be to do with harm or violence or alcohol and drugs and as you said, we can only really scratch the surface today in the things that we are talking about. Obviously, if your child needs emergency protection, then, then that's something that we can assist with and on a very different basis and a very different time scale. I think today we're just going to touch on you know, more of the standard cases that go through court. So in terms of how that process works, once you've made your application, you could be placed before a judge. So a judge would be someone who's obviously legally trained and they have got day in, day out experience of court and making those decisions. Alternatively, you could be before a bench of magistrates and that's a slightly different process because you have three magistrates and they are members of the local community and they are assisted by a legal advisor. Now, the magistrates have obviously been trained in their role, but they may not be necessarily specifically legally trained or have a huge legal background. And essentially what they do is they make the decision assisted by the legal advisor to help them understand the law. And it just, you know, some cases are held before a judge, depends, tends to be more serious cases, and other cases typically to do with such as division of time or ones with less serious welfare issues tend to be placed before the magistrates. And then in terms of, as Elizabeth said, we're sort of going through the more sort of standardised cases, as it were, where there aren't necessarily huge concerns. But in that sort of uh, scenario, we tend to see sort of a three-stage court hearing process. So three different hearings before a final order is made. So at the first hearing, by that time, as we've said, CAFCAS will have done all of their checks and have done a letter to the court with their recommendations. So you'll then have a first hearing where everyone's got that information. CAFCAS 
would hopefully and ordinarily be at the first hearing on hand as well. Um, and, you know, it would be, well, how, how do we resolve this case? Obviously, if the parties still aren't in agreement, which is unlikely, um, then if it's a straightforward case with no safeguarding concerns, no risk concerns for the children, then the court may well just say, OK, let's let's move this forward. Let's let's timetable this in terms of getting it to a final hearing let's say that the parties now have to prepare statements. So no evidence is given usually at these first hearings. It's more of a case management hearing, i.e. what do we now need to move this case forward? And as I say, in the simple cases, you're going to be getting uh, uh, you know, the court direct that both parties prepare statements, setting out what their positions are um, in readiness for a next hearing. So, so, so they'll be given a period of time to do so. At the second hearing, there should be some more information available. So there could be the party statements, there could be things such as letters from schools, letters from GPs. And essentially at that second hearing, what the judge or the magistrates will do is try to encourage the parties to reach a resolution themselves. If the parties are able to reach a resolution at that second hearing, then A, an order can be drawn up by agreement. If, despite everyone's best efforts, no agreement can be reached, then further directions will be set down for a final hearing. I think what I always try to remind parents in these situations is we are talking about six, nine, twelve months. These are not quick processes. So, you know, ultimately putting in a bit of time at the start to try and agree matters could be more effective than waiting, you know, up to 12 months for a decision to be made. And particularly at the moment, we've been through COVID. We've got a huge backlog in the court system, which is an underfunded system. So people just really have to be aware that this is not a quick fix solution. So do you want to talk a little bit about a final hearing, Vicky? Yeah, so at that final hearing, it will usually be a bit longer than the first two hearings because that is where typically um, evidence is heard. So you'll stand in the witness box, for example, um, and be asked questions by the other party or their, their solicitor or barrister. Um, so you would give evidence. There may be that third parties are called, again, if it's a bit more complex, um, but then fundamentally the judge or the magistrates will go away after hearing the evidence and they will make an order. So again, at that point, you know, the control is taken away completely and is in the place of either the judge or the magistrates who will then make an order, set out their reasons for making that order, and then that is binding on you both. We should just say, obviously, that unlike finances where there is, you know, one order and and that is it, say for very few exceptions, with children matters, I think it's acknowledged that if you get an order when your children are two or three, there might need to be potentially some variations to that. Now, hopefully... That could happen by agreement. That's the ultimate aim. But it may, but, but, but that order isn't necessarily set in stone because it may be that in five years' time the needs of the children change. And if you can't reach an agreement together, then you could have to see yourself you know, back in court again in terms of saying, you know, we need that re-looked at. So le- next, let's have a think about what the court look at when deciding to make an order. What the law says is that the court's primary consideration will be the welfare of the children. 
So they're always looking at what is in the best interest of the child. And there's a presumption that provided both parents are safe and loving parents, that a child is entitled to contact with both of their parents. And I think sometimes we have to, you know, quite often remind parents it's not necessarily about what they want. The courts are looking at what is best for that child. So we've got this, you know, this welfare of the child is paramount. But then what we have to help the courts with that is what's called the welfare checklist. So it's a number of factors that the court will go through in order to decide what orders should be made. So if we go through a couple of those to give people an understanding of what the court will be looking at. So first one is the wishes and feelings of the child, taking into account their age and understanding. So Generally speaking, although there's no hard and fast rule, sort of from the age of about nine, children's wishes and feelings are taken into account, but it will depend on the maturity of the child. And I think, you know, what we need to remember is that, you know, wishes and feelings are not going to pay a huge part in the nicest way where we've got children who are one or two years old. Wishes and feelings perhaps are going to play a greater part, but not the only factor if we're talking about teenagers. We'll also consider the physical, emotional and educational needs of the child. So that's ensuring that both parents are able to meet the you know, basically basic needs of the child to make sure that everything they need to be successful, young adults, is met. And this book we were talking about earlier, provided both parents are able to provide safe care, then we are looking at ensuring that the child has a relationship with both of their parents because lots of research suggests that that is what is best for a child. We will have cases whereby one parent may be unable to offer the child a safe enough environment to live in. And in those kind of cases, we may still be looking at having contact, but that could be by another way, such as supported by a family member, maybe at a contact centre, or even in some cases just by phone and telephone, or letter just until contact can be built up to a safe level. Another thing that the court will look at is the likely effect of any change in circumstance. So this would be relevant, for example, if the application was, please can I move to a different part of the country uh, because I've met a new partner, for example, um, or because we've separated and I know we'll go, want to go and spend, you know, be closer to my extended family for support. Um, so in those situations, obviously the court are going to look at the effect of this change. So what change will that have on the contact that they've got with the party that's not going to be moving? What uh, effect is it going to have in terms of a change of school potentially? So all of those factors. We'll also look at the age, sex and background of the child. I guess one of the examples I tend to, to explain to my clients is if we've got a baby who is breastfeeding, then their age is going to be relevant because they're going to need to be with their mother, for instance, overnight, at least for the short term. So those are the kind of things that we need to think about is we have to link you know, link that with all sorts of things such as the, the child's physical and emotional needs and just make sure that whatever arrangements we're seeking to put in place are ultimately best for the child. So another factor is looking at harm and if the child has suffered harm or is risk or is at risk of suffering harm. Now, this feeds in, as Elizabeth said, a lot of these factors interlink. So that'll feed into, you know, is there a risk? If there's a risk, it can be identified. But how do we still try 
to facilitate contact uh, because we're always, you know, the courts are really going to strive as far as they can whilst ensuring it's safe to facilitate contact, whether that's going to be face-to-face or if it's going to be contact centre or or supervised. Again, linking with that, another factor the court think about uh, the capability of each of the parents and the needs of the child and how they're able to be met. So again, it always centres back to what is best for the child and how can we meet this child's best needs. And then the court will also look at the range of powers available to them. Now we have to remember that one of the available powers is to not make an order at all. And in fact, there is something called a no order principle. Um, So, you know, the court generally are of the view you know parents are best placed to decide arrangements we'll only make an order if we have to um, and if one of you applies well they can decide not to deal with an issue and in fact we had this fairly recently in in Bristol where there was there was actually an order made but what the parties were then trying to do was to ask the judge to micromanage it so I think it was a motorway junction which motorway junction um, Mm. should should the child be collected now the court had made an order but then when actually the, the, the the parents were coming back to say well can you decide this issue the court was saying no no order on that we cannot get involved in relation to you know day-to-day management you know we can't micromanage as Elizabeth said the courts are just absolutely sacked at the moment you know they're really having to triage quite a lot and and actually they they can't be dealing with this level of micromanagement they're saying no you need to you need to address that but I do think, in my opinion, that's right. I think, you know, the court are there to support families who need, who really need help. You know, the difference between two motorway junctions, which child, one the child has dropped off at, that should be something that parents are able to discuss themselves or use some kind of alternative dispute resolution method to assist them with. The court is there to help people who have either reached a real impasse or where children need to be at the centre of it. And I think with the backlogs we've got in the court at the moment we also have to think of quite creative ways to help people through these solutions and that's part of our role is to say to people you know this is not something the court are going to want to hear we're going to have to reach a compromise and there's going to need to be compromise from from both from both parties mm-hmm. and I think that's really important when helping our clients sometimes we have to give quite firm advice you know we can't go off to the court every single time there's a disagreement we have to find a way through this So hopefully that's given you a bit of a flavour of if you are in that position where you feel you've reached the end of the road, sort of how the court process works. Obviously we are uh, here, we understand the emotional impact that talking about your children, you know, and a separation has on your family. Um, And, you know, we have a, a dedicated team who'll be on hand to assist with that and talk you through all your options to include court, that may that may be something that is required, but so that you make a really informed decision as to how to move forward um, and resolve resolve any issues centering around children.